Welcome. You have found the show we call Real Men Don't Cry, or do they? This is a podcast for men, and on this show, we will hear real-life stories from men about how they have navigated the complexities of being a man in this modern day. We are going to look at the boys don't cry way of thinking and how that has influenced them and how they have risen above societal pressures to be true to themselves. The focus of this show is men's real world experiences, not just ideas and theories. I hope that you will learn from what they have discovered and use it in your life as well. Let's get into today's show. Hello, welcome to another episode of Real Men Don't Cry, or Do They? I am Brandon Archer. So this is round two recording this guest. He was, I think, one of the first or second recordings we did, and it just didn't work. And he was also, when I was coming up with the guest list, I'm like, Will's got to be on here, because I've watched his journey over the last couple years, and it's just... It's so cool to be a part of that. So welcome, Will. How are you doing? Good. I'm honored with that introduction. I appreciate it. So, Yeah, man. It's the epitome. Yeah, it's been a ride. And that's kind of the theme of this show and why I started. I'm like, man, we got to just share men's stories. Like simple. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And your story, I I like it. I think it's pretty cool. So why don't you just take a minute, tell people who you are, um, where you are, why you even explored a journey for yourself. Boy, that's an onion. But uh, yeah, my name is Will Perzica. I'm in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I just turned 35 years old. Um, I've got two dogs that uh, they're my kids. They're my world. I love them. We do everything together. Um, Both my parents live here in town, uh, along with my brother and his two kids. Um, I get along with everybody pretty well, just, uh, obviously the normal ups and downs, I guess. So nothing crazy, but, uh, they're good. And, um, yeah, I work for a sign company right now, been coming up on 10 years actually, which you can't believe that. Um, and I guess kind of what started this journey was, uh, unbeknownst to me about eight years ago when I had, uh, taken a turn for the worse in my addictions and, um, you know, that kind of got the ball rolling in this general area and you know i i did it for about five years and uh i think it's been that two years ago now you and i met my uh, at least God, two. Might be more might, might even be more, be more now. now it might even be closer to three now yeah and then you know up until that point i thought i had done quite a bit of self-reflection which i had you know i mean i did the 12 steps and i did all that stuff but there was a whole nother world that i hadn't even tapped into and uh had a relationship a couple summers ago and uh ended broke my heart and I just I said enough with it and uh I listened to I don't know how many podcasts and then I heard yours with uh Sophie I think yeah and uh I think we were messaging that night actually because I I followed you right away and then you just shot me a message saying hey man thanks for the follow just just a generally nice message really and uh we just hit it off so yeah the last couple years I think you can attest to have been a time warp um, yes, it's, it's hard to think about the stuff that we've discussed in that short amount of time, really. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. What are you comfortable sharing with about your addiction and what, what you oh. think landed you there? I'm comfortable talking about it all really. Cool. You mind yeah. sharing? I, th- I think 
I think there's a lot of relatable stuff in your story. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I think I wouldn't have gotten to this point if I would have just stuck in the, um, I don't know if this is the right term, like the recovery world. Finding out, I guess, more so about why I ended up the way I did working with mm-hmm. you and, and, and the men's group, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I got the basics and everything through AA and much more. It was great. But um, what I found out was, and uh, I always think about our first talk because I always thought that I used to have like a normal childhood and no trauma, none of that stuff. But really what I'm finding out now, it's uh, what's that saying? Death by a, is it a thousand paper cuts or something yeah, like that. I think you know? so. That's kind of what I'm like. I'm still unraveling even right now. Um, you know, it all starts in those formative years. And uh, when you look at the conditioning that you've had and what you've been brought up with and the culture and society, I mean, it's a multifaceted um, animal. It's crazy. And um, what the, the working with the group and you has really opened up to me is um, just relationships as in the formative years. And that is massive, especially the inner child work. And um, yeah, I mean, I suppose my childhood was quote unquote normal and whatever, but you know, I uh, dismissed a lot of that stuff and dismissing, you know, I don't know if you want to say authoritarian and disciplinarian or whatever, and uh, you know, Christianity as well. Um, there's just a lot of dogmas there that, that crippled me, I'll be honest with you. Um, and it wasn't until I really got honest with myself on this stuff and opened my mind. Yeah, that's. There's stuff I want to talk about later about opening your mind because I witnessed it and it was fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. It but was awesome. You, yeah, it was. You talk about informative years and, you know, authoritarianism, if that's a word. I think it's a word. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out to you that you viewed as normal that now you're like, oh, damn it. I didn't realize what that did to me. Yeah, a lot of... uh why do I have to do that? Because I said so. Um, Ooh. That plays, I'm finding out as I'm journaling and, and keeping on moving forward. Uh, that's something that always comes up in my gut when I think about that stuff. And something as simple as that, just over and over and over, I mean, that really has a subconscious effect on your worth, really. And um, it wasn't until I opened my mind, accepted that, and really dove into it. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of little things like that. And that's, it's been kind of annoying, almost angering, because it's like all these little things. It's like, man, where's the big thing that made me like this, you know? But if you have the ability to zoom out and kind of look at it from above, it makes sense. And uh, I suppose if you can have enough humility to, to say that, then you can heal and repair, which luckily I've had some good people along the way that show me the way. Wink, wink. You make a, you make <laughs> wink, wink. You make a good point though. You're like, where's the big one traumatic event that like fucked me up? Yep. That's the thing is like what we view normal childhood. Yeah, normal. It's such a weird word, right? Like it's subjective. Totally. But those like that's a good example of when a child asks, why why do I have to do that? And your parent just says, because I said so. Like that leaves you in never, never land of Mm -hmm. like, I don't get it. Like I'm just supposed to blindly follow authority. Yep. 
and causes all kinds of crazy shit when you're an adult. Um, but it seems small. Mm-hmm. It does. It's it's sneaky. It's sneaky. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, how have you like processed that particular one? I don't even know if I can answer that question other than literally like just sitting and thinking about it, journaling, um, in the inner child work, the inner dialogue. That's what really bubbles up the good stuff, I guess. Um, and that's really as, as simple as that. Uh, lots. Yeah. I don't know. You know me, I'm, I'm kind of a self-reflector and that's kind of how I process things. It takes me a while, but I, I ruminate. <laughs> Well, you've got a toolbox now too, right? Yeah. Most so definitely. what, like the journaling part, how, like, did you journal before we met? I can't remember. I feel mm-hmm. like you did. You did. Yep. So you've always done that as a, as a modality. Yeah. And it hasn't been consistent. I go in, you know, phases of journaling, but it's, I've done it for a while. So what do you get out of that? Mostly, uh, the big one, usually my, my first paragraph or whatever is just, ugh, just diarrhea of the mouth, just get it out there. Um, and then it used to be just kind of whatever would come to mind. But, um, a couple of years ago, I came across that website. We're not really strangers and they have that, uh, prompt kit, I guess, if you want to call it that self-reflection kit, self-love kit. And I really dove into those and it was just everyday questions, I guess, about, about yourself. And that really opened up my mind. So have you ever written down something and you're like, holy shit, I had no idea. Yeah, I've had a couple of those. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't like uh, I had to call somebody and tell them real quick or anything, but it was just like, huh, interesting. You know, there's a lot yeah. of those. So like sub, kind of subconscious hidden beliefs or yeah. Yeah, yep. What you talked about inner child work and I mean, I've had other guests and I think they've talked about that, but what, what is that to you? Like what? To me, it's, uh, it's, it's actually literally like how you explained it to me when I was sitting there looking like, huh, what's this? You know, I mean, you're literally talking to yourself. I, mean, I felt weird at first, like, oh, I'm answering my own questions. I don't know. It's just weird. But once you do it and you get into like a, um, a rhythm with it, you literally have like a conversation with somebody else, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I'm just yeah. trying to see how you would explain yeah. it. No, I mean, it's, it is weird. You're having a conversation with yourself, but it's a different version. You know, it's, it's little will for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that worked for you. I mean, it's worked for me. It's worked for all but one client, I think. And it's just a way to access your subconscious and like truly what you think about yourself and what feelings are happening inside. It's just a tool. Yeah. And I, I like it cause it's so simple. Yeah. Definitely. You don't have to like overly, once you get the rhythm, you don't even have to think about it. You just do it. Yep. And, um, it's helped me. And I think you just reconnect with those, those parts of ourselves, like the, the, the will that heard, um, when he asks, why do I have to do that? And your mom or dad just said, because I said so. That's like the version of you that you now are allowing to speak. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, what's that term? I think they had a show, is it 
uh, arrested development. Isn't that like a psych term for when you get stuck in that mode and then you don't keep going? I don't know. I just I think might... of a comedy show when you say yeah. arrested development. I might be butchering that, so don't don't quote me on it. But I was as I saw it on a YouTube. They said arrested development, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh, it's a show. But then they expounded upon how people, you know, I would I would venture to say myself, you know, when you when you're in a traumatic whatever that is, um, it's you know several little ones or one big one, your mind just gets stuck there, and that's like your inner child. You know, and you don't mm. really, you don't really develop your brain, you know, like you're supposed to or mature, like it naturally would. And that's, I guess, that was something I saw this last week, actually, I kind of connected the dots on why it works for me, at least. Interesting. Yeah. What, you know, with your addiction, do you, do you remember a time where you, before you were aware of what was going on, that you were covering up pain? No, not, uh, no, I was asleep at the wheel. Um, I was fully embraced in the matrix. Um, I just thought that's what we did. And, uh, that's what we do to have fun. And one thing that's revealed to me in the last six months, big time, uh, with work and life and everything is I just wanted to feel something good. Um, the way that I operate, um, I, I'm a high achieving person. Like I, I go, go, go. And I'm really hard on myself. And now that I've had a lot of time of reflection, it was really just me, like just wanting to come down and feel good, like something good rather than constantly like, <gasps> like that, you know, that's been a big revelation for me in the last six months. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard you share that one. Yeah. Where do you think that like perfectionism came from? Have you reflected on that? Yeah, uh, seeking approval for sure. Um, parents, teachers. Um, I went to Catholic schools, so priests, them too. Uh, even Ca- my friends. I, never, I don't. Did you ever tell me that? I don't. I remember you saying I went to Catholic school. Yeah, I went. Well, you knew I was Catholic. That seems right? like something I would remember. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't go to a Catholic college. Just like. Um, grade school and high school but yeah interesting yeah that's been a that's a whole other section that i've dove into and it's quite revealing yeah what effect did that have on you massive i'm finding out you know i used to think even a year ago i was like well you know it it didn't really affect me but what this last year has revealed to me the most is the subconscious on just all the little things that that we pick up and it uh it wasn't until I saw Robert Edward Grant when he was talking about, um, he's really big into the sacred geometry stuff, but he used an example of what is it about art that we're drawn to? Why do we have it in our homes? Because the Western brain looks at that and they're like, well, it's stupid. It's just something on the wall. Nothing big, right? But then there's the other half of the people that really enriches their lives. And um, he used, I don't know if you've ever heard of fractals, but they're like little hexagons and stuff. And uh, he's like, what really happens when you when you go to that museum or wherever it is that you're looking at that picture, your brain is subconsciously downloading an algorithm from that, and that's enriching your life. And I heard that, and it just like just blew my mind because it's like the subconscious thing is probably a bigger player in our lives than our conscious mind. Um, I mean, it's it's everything. It really is. It's our I hate that word conditioning, but it is what it is. 
that is how that's how we end up the way that we are. We we absorb all this stuff and we don't realize it. And I think that's why so many people struggle with figuring it out for lack of a better term. Yeah. By the time people are age 35, 90% of what they do is subconscious and on autopilot. Wow. That's a lot. That's basically your whole life. But as you've discovered, you can question the 95%. Yep. Yeah, it's the best thing I ever did. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, you didn't want to at first. (laughs) No, I didn't. I really didn't. Well, let's let's riff on that. Like, you know, you we ended up working together because of basically because of the breakup and you kind of wanted to stop doing that pattern. Yep. But where where were you then like as far as mindset and the way you thought things were? Oh, man, I was uh very rigid and westernized, shall we say. Um you know, I just people pleasing you know, you got to do this. Otherwise, you know, they might not buy from you over here. Or this kind of stuff is, is operating on the nice guy stuff is what it was. It wasn't until I read No More Mr. Nice Guy that I threw it through my window, but I was happy I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a question because we've talked about this a lot. What teachers were you looking to during that time? Not You don't have to name names, but if you want to, cool. But what teachers in like men's work or coaches or whatever space you want to what appealed to you out there in the in the land of social media and learning yeah it was the total uh the savagery guys that were just get up at four in the morning uh do your workout go to work just get everything done and just non-stop never quit um that does work for a while i did it uh it's just not sustainable what appealed to you about it? Probably ju- just the, the badass look, really. Um, you know, I'd look up to these guys. They're high-achieving people. They're badasses. Um, they're successful. But the part that they don't show you is that balancing act on the other side. Yeah, I remember when we started working together, you were 4 a.m. workouts, and I actually kind of respect it to a certain degree. But then I remember yeah. when you stopped doing that, and I'm like, Got a little worried for you for a bit there. <laughs> Why? Yeah. What shifted? It was the embracing that balancing act after we had talked a while on that. Because we talked about that four in the morning stuff quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you'd bring it up. We, we talk about circadian rhythms. I think uh, you, you explained it to me on the seasons of life, you know, or um, the, the seasons, I should say. You know, summer, uh, fall, winter, spring you know, we should probably follow that with, you know, winter time to slow down, chill a little bit. Um, and then summers go, go, go with all the light. And, uh, I think I started doing that stuff probably in the fall when it's dark before I go to work and dark when I get home and man, it just takes a toll on you. It really does. Maybe I lack discipline. I don't know, but it doesn't work for me to keep doing it over and over and over. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the rhythm you're talking about, if you go back 200, 300 years, whatever it might be, when we were farming and hunter-gatherer societies, there wasn't light. Like, we create artificial light now. Yeah. And whether we want to admit it or not, we're more tied to nature and the earth than we care to admit. 
Yes. And that's very hard to for a lot of people to wrap their head around in 2024 because everybody's grown up with mm-hmm. technology. But when you like, if you, if you open your mind to like, man, maybe there's something to that. It makes total sense. Like, We've separated ourselves. I mean, we, we are nature. We're part of it. And uh, I think the more we deny that, the worse it gets. Meaning what's worse, like just the, the anxiety, the depression, all that stuff. Um, I don't know what it is, why we have this mindset as a, as a whole, as a society that, you know, keep nature over there, leave it alone. And then, you know, we're separate from them. It, it doesn't work. We, we're part of it. It's all connected. Yeah. I just went and saw Aquaman 2 with my son. And it makes me think of like, you know, the people in the sea, Atlantis were kind of tied into their world. Mm-hmm. And the top dwellers are not, and they're just like screwing up the, the world, which is, unfortunately, it's true. Um, yeah. And that as technology evolves, we like the gap's getting bigger, but it feels like it's got to come the other way and back closer together because yeah. everybody's so out of rhythm with everything. And Oh, ain't that the truth? You know, I don't know if I struggle with winter and the dark. It just, it messes me up. I have a hard time. I come close to getting depressed every every February. It's usually February when it hits because it's yeah. been like, you know, two months of Long just time. dark. Like, why mm-hmm. is it dark? <laughs> but if we were a farming society, we there's not much to do in the winter yeah. that I'm aware of. Maybe there is. Some farmer can tell us what there's to do in the winter. But if you got a livestock or whatever. But yeah, there's not, there's really not much to do. So how has that made you just live life differently, those realizations? Chill a lot more. Uh, You know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow still. Um, I say that at work all the time because I'm in that fast-paced work environment where, you know, I I work with type A people that are business owners and they want things now, now, now. And uh, that's really helped taking that approach. Like, it's just a sign. The sun's going to rise tomorrow. We're still probably going to have the same conversation. It's going to be fine. Now, am I always that good? No, you know, that, that's a practice, but it's, it's helped tremendously. And have you produced any less at work? Mm-mm. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it's amazing how that works. I think, uh, I think my sales are actually above last year at this point, or this last year. Now that it's January, we're either on par or right above. So it's weird how that works. Yeah, how would you explain that to somebody that's never heard of that before? If if you like, you know, a new person started working at your company and they're just like trying to get so much done so fast, how mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, I really respect, you know, your leadership here. What feedback do you have for me?" How would you explain to them what you've discovered? I would just basically say what I just said. The sun's still going to come up. Um, you know, take it slower than that. You know, than what you're what you think you're expected to. Um, oh man, I was just on a on a line there, and I got distracted by the dog at the window. Um, can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> if you had a new employee, eager, smart, mm-hmm. driven wants to achieve, you know, great sales and they come to you as, as a guy who's got good results and been there a while and say, Will, like I'm 
totally open to any feedback you have for me. What's your best tips for me? Yeah, I mean, I, I would just say I was in a point to where I was, I was selling a ton and I was making a ton of money. And on the outside, it looked great. Um, but on the inside, it was terrible. And now that, I mean, that was a year ago right now. And now that I took a step back and did this, that that's just so much unneeded stress that we put on ourselves. And, um, you know, people really don't care at the, at the end of the day. They really don't. Um, the only reason that they get fired up on the phone and they want something or whatever, um, it's just because they're getting pressure too. And uh, that's honestly been one of the biggest realizations that I've had is nobody really cares. It's just an act. And at the end of the day, oh, okay, if you miss the deadline, you know what's going to happen? You're probably just going to go get it done tomorrow. Big deal. And they'll still call you the next month for the next sign or whatever it is, widget that you're selling. So what internal stories have you had to come up against to, to make that shift? You know, it's a, it's a struggle. Even now it is. I mean, I still fall back into that stuff every now and then. But um, the biggest thing that I, that I had to do, which you prompted me to do, was before I do anything, just pause for 30 seconds and just come back down. Because I, every time I look in the past when I reacted or I get fired up, it's, it's like I got to have an answer right now so I can remedy the situation. You know, I think, I think we just need to give ourselves a little bit more grace and, um, yeah, give ourselves more grace, really. What were you modeled growing up for, you know, work ethic? Work till it's done. Do whatever you got to do. Um, I'm from the Midwest. You know, I got a Midwest work ethic. Just get it done at all costs. All costs. What, what did that mean? Like, what... I mean, don't At break laws costs. or anything like that. Yeah, but what what internal? How do I word this? Yeah, I how did I you take that as a kid growing up? Yeah, suffer in silence so everybody else is happy. Suffer in silence so everybody else is happy. Yep, just put up with it. It'll be fine once you get through it. You know, it's it's kind of like kind of like the modern workplace. You know, go be a slave until you're sixty and. And you can enjoy life. Like, I, I don't like that. How, because I know you, you are close with your parents. Mm-hmm. The shift you've made, how is your dad taking like, because he's probably the one that taught you the suffering yeah. silence. Just yeah, as he watches you morph, what's going on for him? It's been interesting. Uh, I think we've talked about that a couple times. I still don't know, to be honest with you, because I think he doesn't know how to take it. Um, <laughs> It's, uh, well, you can attest to it. I mean, I, if I would say the stuff today that like you and I are having a conversation and compare it to when we first met, the stuff I'm saying today is like way out of left field. I mean, way out there. Like, where did this come from? I even say that to myself sometimes too. And I think watching him respond, I, I think he really likes it, but I don't know if it's his ego getting in the way, to be honest with you. Because one of his own famous sayings is, I'm older and wiser than you. Ooh, damn. So yep. when's the last time he said that to you, though? I mean, it's been within the last, you know, six months. It's just a, it's just a common saying in the house, you know? And how do you take that? 
now it's, you know, it used to piss me off a lot, even up until recently, really. But I don't know. I guess I haven't really thought about it too much. But I don't, I don't take it as bad anymore. It's, I can look past it. And I think when he does say that stuff, there's just no conversation after. So it's less and less. I don't need to subject myself to that stuff. Yeah. I know, I know you've shared, like, I'm thinking of something from another, another guest and how he was basically helping his dad heal too, just by showing up the way he's showing up. Have you seen your dad change his behavior or viewpoints on things at all over the last couple of years? I have just, um, just on the empathy side um, for different groups of people around town. Um, you know, it's softer. I don't know if that's the right word, but I would say that he's, he's softened. And, and I can see that too, because both my parents help out with my brother's two kids. And, and I can see it in the behavior with his kids. Um, my brother is, I mean, he's, just like my dad and the disciplinarian stuff. I mean, he was in the Marine Corps too. And, uh, you know, I'll see him discipline his kids in the way that he thinks is right and whatever. It's, I'm not going to say anything, but I can see my dad like, ooh, you can chill out a little bit, you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess when you look at it from that angle, totally I've seen that. Hmm. Have yeah. you guys had any conversations around? No. I've thought about how about it. how about anything more broad? How about just like your new viewpoints? Have you guys had any conversations about that? I think he's. I I don't know because I, I keep waiting for it. To be honest with you, on the church subject. Um, yeah. Like Christmas mass, he didn't ask me. I didn't go. Um, Easter will be interesting to see. Um, but I, I've I've laid some hints out there. I mean, I'm not I'm not too crazy about the history of the Catholic Church and. Uh, I, I've gone pretty deep into that stuff, and I've I've asked him some questions, pretty straightforward about like the Jesuit order and stuff, because he went to a Jesuit college, and uh, I'm like, hey, did you know this stuff happened? And yeah, uh, why are you cool with it? <laughs> you know that kind of stuff. And um, I, I think they, I think both my parents see that. Uh, just me asking questions, um, about my faith and background and everything. I don't know if it scares them or if they're just like, well, he's a man, he can do his own thing now. I I don't know, but it'll be interesting when Easter rolls around. Yeah, I have to keep us posted on that one. Yeah. What is, like, what's a hope you have for your dad? That's a good question. Um, hope I have for my dad would be, I hope that he continues on the path that I've, subtly noticed right now um and hopefully i hope i don't want to say hopefully i'm an example but yeah hopefully by changing like this um it, it has that you know the the ripple effect it's it's real and um I, that's what i would hope that i don't know if the ego doesn't get in the way or if we ever have that conversation which i can go have that conversation with him too but um I, i've already seen progress and change and stuff and it's pretty cool to watch. And I, I just hope he doesn't ever shut it down, you know? Yeah. Just, you know, that, that's the answer. I just, I, I hope and wish for him to have a more open mind. Well, I think you're modeling it for him. 
You talked yeah. about ripple effect. You know, you've shared stories with me about the work you've done on yourself and how it's affected other people's kids. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind. I never really thought about it that, you know, the work you're doing or any man's doing, you're not just, you're not just helping you. Like, right. that's how it starts. But then you heal like multiple generations. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you've touched your dad. You've touched your uh, nephews. Mm-hmm. That coworker and his kids. Like, that's mind-blowing when you think about. It really it. is. It's humbling, too. It's crazy. I mean, just, just think if every person took the time to work on themselves how that would affect the environment. I mean, if, if they actually really did it, I mean, we could turn the world around like that. In a generation, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I believe. In a generation, as I've come to notice 30 years, yeah, if like, we'll just say men started that process now, you know, already, like my son's 18, already he's off on a better foot than I ever could have mm-hmm. imagined. For sure. Like, I don't know how to put that into words, how good that feels for me. You know, every, yeah. every dad usually says, I don't want to do the thing my dad did to me. And you end up doing it anyway. And I did, unfortunately, until I kind of like became aware. And now I consciously can choose my behavior around my kid and towards him and my attitude towards him. And, you know, I don't shame him. I get frustrated, but I realized, oh, that frustration is me. He's just trying to figure life out. He's literally just trying to figure life out looking to me. So that generational like uh, healing is just wild. It's just wild to experience it and the ripple effect. Like I know you have a lot yeah. in your life, actually. Yeah. Actually, that, uh, that same coworker, I'll share a little story that he told me today and I, I told him how awesome it was because we talk about this stuff in Lionheart all the time and uh, we we're both um, towards the end of the day and we we're both just BSing bullshit and then he was talking about his son's will that's his name actually too and uh, Brad if you ever listen to this or watch it hopefully you're cool with me sharing it because I'm going to do it anyways <laughs> but um, he uh, they were going to go work on the snowmobile and because um, his son had, had uh, hit a culvert and they're just doing some repair work on it, and it was cold out, and his his son has uh, is dyslexic, so when he's on the wrenches and whatnot, he's got to remind him every now and then, like righty tighty, lefty loosey, that kind of stuff. And uh, Brett goes, you know, last night he goes, I really had to catch myself because I was getting so pissed off that I had to remind him, and he's like, I can't get mad at him for that. It's not his problem. And he said, you know what I did. I just said, well, it's cold. It's too cold to work out here. Let's go inside. And they went in and watched TV. I was like, bro, I was like, this is what we talk about Monday night. And you're just out here doing it. And I was like, it's so fucking cool. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. It's just something that little has such a big effect. It does. His son feels then <clears throat> cared about. Yep. Silently at- cared about. His dad didn't have to say a goddamn word. He just took yep. action. Yep. Exactly. So it's it's cool to look at their their relationship because I don't know he's just a natural at, at this men's stuff, <laughs> and I and yeah. I get to watch watch him as well. So it's it's cool, natural, but also the conversations you've shared, 
yeah. with me that you've had with him, like you're, you're giving him bits of information that he didn't have before and he's able to digest it and use it. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that is the power of one man, you just caring, like going, I actually don't like the way I'm living my life. I'm going to figure some shit out. You figure some shit out. And now everybody you touch in your sphere is affected differently. And that's like something I realized pretty young. Like I could, uh, I could affect the whole room. Most of the time it was bringing everybody down and I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I'd like to think you can, you can turn it around. You can do go the other way too. Yeah, for sure. And that, that actually kind of reminds me of the back to one of your first questions, the guys that I was looking for, you know, teachers and stuff. Um, I shared um, that Taylor Cavanaugh with you, the guy, he's loaded with tattoos and stuff. but what I found was after all this, why I was actually attracted to those guys is because they've much like you and me, they've, they've gone through that shit in life. They've done it. And, um, when they come out on the other side, it's just that authenticity and the humility. And that's what I was really drawn to. And, um, that I think is, that's what this process does. And it, it, I feel like you can you can pick those people out, and it's funny because I was subconsciously drawn to like Jocko. I didn't know why, but do you um, know why now? Yeah, I do. Um, he obviously went through a lot of shit, and um, at the time I was looking for you know really masculine, just savage, and um, so on the surface that's why I was attracted to him for sure. But um, in listening to his podcasts on read the really deep long stuff because this podcast is like three four hours long he reveals a lot more and i i didn't realize that i was paying more attention to that stuff subconsciously than his workouts at four in the morning and that kind of Mm. stuff do you know how old he is i have a reason i'm asking uh i don't i'm gonna say 50 give or take a year or two okay so he's do you think there is a i can't remember if you've read Iron John, I think that's the book where this this idea comes from. Do you think you're just at a phase in life where you're like that warrior energy is just really appeals to you? Yeah, I think there's some elements to that. Yeah, for sure. You can like viscerally feel it. Yeah. And I think honestly, I think that's something that I stuffed down as a child because that's bad. And that's the other subconscious draw to that stuff because, like, uh, have you ever heard about the the sheep, the sheepdog, and the wolf? I feel like you've told me this story before. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, I you know for all these years, I, I was thinking, you know, like fighting and all that violence is bad. It means you're a piece of shit, that kind of stuff. But I mean, I was always drawn to it. It's cool, right? And I read that story about the sheep the sheepdog and, and the wolf and the difference between the sheepdog and the wolf is that the sheepdog has the capacity for violence but they can turn it off and if i would have heard that when i was a little kid i mean my life would be on a completely different trajectory right now i guarantee you i would have gone into military law enforcement something i don't know what um but i feel like that warrior energy now that I've, i'm realizing that is almost i don't want to say 
growing. I think it's I, I, it's foundational. I think. I mean, it's part of who I am, and uh, that's also why I'm drawn to it too. But that's been a big revelation in the last year. Yeah, you bring up a good point. Like ignoring that part of you is actually holding you back. I know you're embracing mm-hmm. it more. And that's, that's straight up shadow work, right? Like the parts, like we all, I believe, have a, I'll just say violent side to us. Mm-hmm. And it can, it's scary, but it's the difference between having it, you know, kind of in a cage and bring it out when we need it or uh, put it in a cardboard box where it can break out anytime it wants to. Yep. You don't want it in the cardboard box. You want it in the cage, which means you have to lure it out and have a relationship with it so you can put it in the cage. Yep. It's imperative because otherwise that shit just rules you and now you got problems. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that festers and I mean, I was there. It's crazy. You stuff that stuff down and it's just a bad relationship. Yeah. And I just made up that analogy of the cardboard box, but it's pretty accurate like you yeah that's legit put it in the box and you think it's okay and nobody can see it but that fucker can bust out of there anytime he wants yep won't take much effort no and you know it's making me think too that might as well riff on it because we went down that path is that dark energy or that scary side of us even sexually is there in men and we're scared shitless to go that oh my god i can't think that thought I can't possibly act that out. It's like, no, you don't have to act it out. But if you put it in the cardboard box, it's like an energetic clusterfuck. Yeah. It's not going to work. You got to befriend it, understand it. And then you can put it in the cage and you can let it out if you need to. And it won't rule you. Mm Mm-hmm. It's very, it's identical. It's an identical type of process, which yeah. just made me think of it when you were sharing the warrior stuff. Uh, it's like the, the denial amplifies it, right? Yeah. It, it almost makes the cardboard flimsier. Yeah. And this is such a big thing for men. Like, it's okay to have all this dark shit. It's okay. Yeah. So if you've been told as a kid, like, good boys don't have bad thought, good boys don't hit, whatever it might be. Or, and then if you layer on religion on top of that, oh my God, it's confusing. Yeah, it really you is. Have, it's just there. Those thoughts and feelings are just there. And I grew up you know, in a very religious system too, and it's so confusing. Yeah, it's, uh, dare I say, psychological warfare. I mean, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's just people perpetuating what they don't like. They're just so full of shame. It's like, oh my God, I had right. this thought and I, nobody's shown me. I've only been told it's ever bad. It's like, no, it's there. Mm-hmm. You can choose whether you act on it or not. But if you don't know it intimately, you're screwed. It's going to yeah. show up. It's going to bleed out. It's going to wreck who you are. You're not going to feel like you have an identity. Mm-hmm layers to it there's lots of layers to it so many (laughs) i know you've come a long way with with this one so i have a i have a question for you yeah what would you tell men that are looking to have a better relationship with their emotions 
Is there something specific you're looking for that we've talked about before? Zero. I would say the number one thing in my experience was my morning routine and foundation work. Far none. Um, I used to think the meditation stuff, like I'd get little hints of it here and there, but it's consistency. Um, That has been the biggest one for me, along with the inner child work. Um, God, and just trying to have an open mind. That was my biggest hurdle. Um, I think you can probably attest to that. I just, I'm stubborn. And uh, once it was, you actually see the the evidence or whatever you want to say, and and accept like, okay, yeah, that is that is what it is. Um, I just felt like that was the the pin that I had to or the road bump I had to get over for it to really flourish. Nice. So you talked about dogma before. Do you feel there is a covert way you've you've traded one type of dogma for this new way of thinking and maybe this new way is dogma as well? Yeah, I think about that. I try to stay conscious. Um, but to be honest with you, I'm so enthralled with finding out the truth I, I know what I believe and, uh, you know, uh, as far as spiritual and all that stuff. Um, but like you said, it's been through the ages, it's been so deceptive and, and just manipulative and back and forth. It, it's hard to find the truth. So, um, I don't think where I'm on right now is another dogma cause I, I'm looking into so many different areas being, being so open-minded. Um, yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? It does because, you know, my thought around it was I see you developing a skill set to constantly be questioning what you believe. Mm. Yes, I would. That is exactly where I'm at right now. I question everything. So that's not dogma. That's like I'm willing to change yeah. my current belief based on what I learned next. Yep. And I think that's imperative. Like nothing static. You know, yeah, I've exactly. got a couple areas in my life where I've resisted learning more about the next thing. And I, I was just kind of meditating on it last night. I'm like, fuck, it's time to like look at this because the resistance to learning about it tells me there's something there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, that's good. That, you know, one thing I have been doing when I have like these little outbursts or whatever is I try to say after everyone just like, what are you trying to teach me here? And usually it settles me down and I pick something out of it, small as it is. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You've come a long way, man. I got one last question for you. Yeah. It's impressive. Will. like, you know, I'm 15 years, your senior. And if I had put the effort into me at your age, I mean, it's not a competition, but it's just good right. to see that that generational shift that, that like it's, ha- it yeah. is happening. Right. Like there's a yep. couple other guys in Lionheart, one's older than you, one's younger than you, but just by a couple of years and to see mm-hmm. men in their thirties, like digging in, it's happening. The shift is happening. And so it's yeah. pretty, it's pretty impressive. I believe it. Okay. I got one question left for you. If you could say one thing to your child self that you wanted to hear from your mom or dad, what would that be? Just be you and follow your passion. Yeah. 
simple as that. That's yeah. Just be well. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't chase the money. Just find a passion and that's where it's at. Or don't chase the version of what I think you should be as yeah. a parent. You know, I think yep. that's a pretty common one. Yep. That's a super powerful way to end this. Will, anything else you want to share before we sign off? No, not really. Just that I'm honored, man. And uh, I got to thank you as well for walking next to me on this path. It's been oh. a journey. And uh, yeah, I look forward to the future. Yeah, thanks for being here and sharing your story because I know for a fact men are going to get value out of this. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be here today. I honestly hope you found something you can use in your life. And I hope you found some relief in knowing that you're not the only one with challenges. We can be very isolated as men. If you don't have support in your life, please reach out to someone. It's okay to need help. It doesn't mean that you're less of a man. In fact, it takes a courageous man to know when it's time to ask for guidance. Until next time, brother.